Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. everybody hello hi jenny hey you know just last night we hung out we watched a movie together didn't we we did we watched john wick my favorite it's your favorite where something bad happens to a cute animal but then the animal is avenged to the max uh i loved it and it's part of this month's feels like the first time uh joanna robinson and i are watching a bunch of keanu reeves movies in the month of may uh and jenny joined for john wick uh we have one left it's happening tonight so if you listen to this (laughs) podcast the moment that it drops you've gotten warning here in the intro today Wednesday, May 26th at 9 p.m. Eastern. We will be watching, drum roll please, The Matrix. Uh, Whoa! Yeah, all details on this very fun patron-only podcast uh, can be found at bufferingthevampireslayer.com slash feelslike. I don't even know what we're doing for June yet. I'll probably know in the next couple of days, but I do know what we're doing for July. It's Angelina July. Get it? Wow. Another event right around the bend is a live taping. A live taping of season six, episode 15. Hey, that's the next episode, As You Were. Mm. Ooh, with a very special guest star. Mm. (laughs) Very special guest star on the the, uh, episode of television, not on the podcast. I mean, who knows? Who knows who will show up? But probably it's just going to be me and Jenny. Probably just our dumb asses. Yeah. Yeah. But we're going to have a good time Thursday, June 3rd. Uh, that is at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. And it's going to be our last taping of, of the season. So if you want to see us talking in real time about anything in season six and specifically about this particular guest star, then this is your chance. Tickets are bufferingthevampireslayer.com slash ticketing. Join us. Come hang out. Oh, you have a really easy time for your segment this week, Jenny. Well, the time has come, of course, for me to deliver unto thee the results of the Sexual Tension Awards. Beautiful poll that we have every episode uh, where you can cast your vote. Uh, These are the results for the episode Dead Things. No. No, we didn't do a vote. Nope. No, thank you. Uh Inappropriate. (laughs) Uncalled for. A couple more uh, a couple more things to let you know before we jump into today's episode. Uh, we may never get out of this episode, as a matter of fact. We'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, we mentioned at the top of uh, Dead Things that we are, you know, continuing to evolve with our anti-racist work here in the podcast space. And one of the ways that we're doing that is by starting to spotlight events. A conversation that we've been having as a team is sort of, we can do things here. You know, Invisibipoc was an incredible episode that Mac and Alba did together and Mac has hosted book clubs and you know there are things that we can lift here but there are very brilliant people doing very brilliant work in the communities that they're working in and amongst so we're going to use our community here. We're going to spotlight things for you here. So we're going to be having a team meeting here every month where our 
team brings ideas to the table of really cool events that we can attend, that we can spotlight, and we're beginning that uh, right now. So Mac has brought a few really great events to the table, uh, and you can find them now on bufferingthevampireslayer.com slash justkeepfighting. You'll find all of our um, anti-racist work and commitments there, uh, but you'll start to see that this calendar is going to grow, and you are more than welcome to email us, bufferingthevampireslayer at gmail.com, with suggestions that you have. Um, this is this is intended to be varied. So we we would love to hear about events that are celebratory and happy and joyous. Artists, uh, BIPOC artists, performers, things like this. Those are great. We also would love to hear about panels, conversations, educational tools that we can uh, all attend together as a community. Jenny and I just attended the Hollaback um bystander intervention training last week. Yeah. Really incredible. Um, and it was really nice to do with you, Jenny. It, it was just, it was a really nice thing to to share together. Um, we talk about Buffy a lot. We talk about anti-racism a good amount, but to really like be there and, and learn some practical tools of what to do. Yeah. I thought it was like very cool that they were sort of teaching techniques to sort of bridge the gap. You know, you have, you see something happening, you have the understanding that what's happening is not okay. Uh, but what are some ways that you can interface and like still feel safe yourself? You know, like what's your right. comfort zone? It, it was really awesome. Also, uh, <laughs> this is not the point, but it was co-hosted <laughs> by a man who once played like a Disney prince and he was very charming. Just, just a bonus. Yeah. we If you if you have not attended the Hollaback um, by Center Intervention Training, it's free. Um, if you have the funds to donate to Hollaback, please do, because uh, the resources that we gathered in that free uh, webinar were incredible, and I will use them, and I know Jenny uh, will use them as well. Um, oh, yeah. So so all that to say that we, we'd really like to crowdsource more things like this. Some things uh, will be free uh, and accessible to all, just like the Hollaback event was, but if you have events that are ticketed you know send them our way as well and so we'll build out this calendar together um and there are a few events there right now and the next thing coming up chronologically speaking is a panel that's going to be put together by two organizations uh, accompaniment and sanctuary coalition colorado springs and also colorado immigrants rights coalition featuring some awesome panelists talking about what's really happening at the southern border of the united states yeah. Um, and there's two other events there. One is happening in August. It's called Ju Jubilee, a Black Feminist Homecoming. Um, we'll be adding events. So we're just really excited. Um, really excited to be continuing the work together. Really excited to be crowdsourcing some things to spotlight as a community. Because I think like, yeah. if, if there's anything that we do well here at Buffering the Vampire Slayer, it is community building. Uh, and, and really like talking to each other about what's going on and what we can and should be celebrating, can and should be um, enjoying, can and should be learning. So again, bufferingthevampireslayer.com slash just keep fighting. We will continue to evolve with it. It's This is just the phase that we're at right now, the evolution, mm -hmm. the period mm -hmm. of evolution that we have arrived at. Uh, speaking of things that are evolving, um, guess what, Jenny? Can I really guess? Mm-hmm. Uh, are you asphyxiating? Are you in danger of asphyxiating beneath the somehow corporeal, very real weight of our uh, email inbox? You know, I am. Thank you so much for recognizing my struggle yeah. sounds. <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> I've heard a lot of rustling, a lot of muffled. Oh, oh. Uh, yes. Yeah, so. We briefly brought mailbag episodes back into the main feed uh, here. You've heard some of them. They're really fun. 
Uh, we are officially bringing mailbags back into the Patreon space. Mailbag episodes will be, now listen, mailbag episodes will be sent to our $10 patrons and higher. And the mail that we read will be sourced from those patrons. Uh, a reminder, Black and Indigenous listenership receives all of the digital perks, which means that uh, Black and Indigenous listenership will get that prompt as well to send in emails. We'll get those episodes as well. Um, and we will continue to read an email at the top of every episode here. That's the plan. Still send us all your emails. We read them and we love them. And we will put some up in this intro here um, in the intro to the episodes. But mailbag specifics are going to go back into the Patreon feed. And patrons, uh, if you're over there, stay tuned because you'll get an email. Um, you'll get a little note about all of this and how to submit and all that good stuff. Okay. I mean, I thought we might get stuck in the episode, but geez, we're almost stuck in the intro. Let's get the hell yeah, out of yeah. here. Let's get out of here. Welcome to Buffering the Vampire Slayer, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer one by one, spoiler free, in tandem with my number one crush with whom I have absolutely no beef and only all the love in my heart to give, Angel on Top. Sounds like the words of an arch nemesis to me. <laughs> I am hopelessly devoted to Morgan and Latoya, and I'm Jenny Owen Youngs. Uh, I am Kristen Russo, big fan of Morgan and Latoya, but that often happens when you have an arch nemesis, you know? The definition <laughs> of arch nemesis is, is the uh, battle between the deep love you have and the battle mm. you feel within. Anyway. Ooh, tension. This week, we are talking about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. You may have heard of her. Season 6, episode 14, Older and Far Away. An episode where we don't have to cry the whole time. What a joy! Yay. Stay tuned at the end of this podcast every other week for an original song written by Jenny Owen Youngs and sometimes also Kristen Russo, recapping the Buffy episode that we are discussing. Older and Far Away was written by Drew Z. Greenberg Who? and directed by Mike Drew Z. <laughs> Greenberg and directed by Michael Gershman. Like, who are these guys? I don't know. <laughs> what are they doing? Uh, uh, this episode originally aired on February 12th, 2002. Uh, two days before the Valentine's Day of 2002. Where were you? Well, it was I'm I'm disappointed because the Valentine's Day of 2003, I was at the Chelsea Hotel with my brand new girlfriend, Jen Robichaux, who bought me a pair of diamond earrings even though oh, we had only word. been dating since December. But we'll have to wait a wow. year. I know, it was an intense time in lesbian town, but um anyway, it's only 2002, so I probably wasn't doing anything important. <laughs> 
Uh, I was in college. I can't remember if I was dating somebody at this exact time. Oh, please. Uh, Were you ever not dating somebody? Was there ever? Yeah, I mean, I was. (laughs) Sorry, I should say I'm almost 100% sure I was dating someone, but I (laughs) would have to sit down and do some like math and stuff to remember who precisely it was. Um, This is the one where... After Dawn talks to a guidance counselor about feeling lonely, she accidentally puts a spell on Buffy and her friends, trapping them inside the Summer's house with a sword-wielding demon. There it is. There it is. Previously on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Dawn steals. There's a character named Clem. There's a character named Halfrack. Buffy was crying on Tara. <laughs> Kitten poker. Yeah. Kitten poker. I hardly kitten know her. The famous quote from yes! Jenny Owen Young's. <laughs> Oh, wow. I thought I was just like so delighted by what you said. I had no recollection. It sounds like something I would say, but I don't remember. Wow. Nothing like telling someone's joke back to them to their delight. <laughs> well, I mean, hey, that's the quality test yeah, or just the consistency true. test. Um, Buffy is like momming out, momming out all over Dawn. Dawn just wants a nice, normal family dinner that is not interrupted Family dinneris interruptus, yet another demon who cannot wait to be slain. Buffy must go. I understand why, because this demon's look is confused. I mean, this whole thing, listen, this episode has... Honestly, wait, I just watched my first episode of RuPaul's Drag Race last oh, night. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. I love it. And watching... This rewatching this episode this morning after that, I have to say this demon has some kind of like high hair drag vibes. <laughs> okay. I mean, listen, I, I wasn't even going to talk about the demon. I was just going to talk about the like the general vibe of this episode. Like there's stuff to talk about. I have lots of notes, but it is. Does it feel kind of like disjointed and chaotic? Yes, it is so disjointed and like bizarro, especially with where we are. This feels like an episode from season one of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Right. Oh, hello, Dawn, my sister. Gotta go to the (laughs) graveyard. Can't wait. Must slay. Uh, Goodbye. Must slay unnamed demon. This demon doesn't have a name, no backstory. But, we never learn about But they're about... like talking about him as though we should know, as we, sh- we should know it's this guy. Just... We met him, but we were drunk. Um, yeah. It's do you little... think maybe there was more of this episode that got snipped for time? Like maybe, a little more context? Like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe everybody Latoya just needed would a know. break. If only my one true love, Latoya, were here, I'm confident <laughs> she that know. she would know. She would know. Um, but yeah, so Buffy is, I just want to note that Buffy is wearing a bucket hat and I believe a <laughs> velvet coat. So no. hot to go into the cemetery. And yeah, she, she, uh, gets there. Dawn's pissed. Uh, it's must be Tuesday because Dawn's fucking mad. Dawn's just mad. Yeah. This is the episode where Dawn is mad. Um, yeah. and uh, Buffy kills well doesn't kill the demon right Buffy like stabs the demon too so our our pals slash nemesis uh had a grand old time a couple of episodes ago on Angel when the graphics of Fred's head being like cut off oh my god flipping (laughs) onto the demon was so this is like a moment that I had here with this sword demon like when the sword demon is stabbed by Buffy he turns into Alex Mack goo like yeah he Alex Mack's right 
right into the sword. And I just, mean, talk about season one. Right. Well, it's, you know what? You know what it makes it like solidly season one is that not only does this goop zoop into the sword. <laughs> goop zoop. Goop zoops right into the sword. But then we get to see the sword with the tiny demon inside. Of it. <laughs> yeah. Big, big Gaknar energy seeing the like... this demon inside the sword. And also very season one, Buffy like doesn't see this happen. She right. like, looks up and assumes that the demon ran off in fear. Then she sees the sword and is like, ooh, shiny. Yeah. Uh, high camp. High camp. High, high hair. Camp. High camp. High camp. Uh, not to be confused with my high school theater teacher, uh, Mr. Height Camp. This is high camp. Credits. <laughs> we go. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. But we're at the magic box. Um you know, I watch. It takes me a while to do my watch of these episodes because I pause at moments where I'm like, perhaps there's something fun for us to learn in this moment. And this was a good pause for me here. We go to the magic box and we get a slug candle reference, which is fun because we already had a whole big slug candle situation in the episode with the zombie hand, right? Mummy hand, whatever. We sure did. <laughs> so. They're talking about, oh, something very important to note is that it's fucking Buffy's birthday again, which, of course, is going to mean that chaos will ensue. And they're planning never to be, (laughs) never to learn from history here. They are going to plan a party for Buffy. And that's why they're talking about candles. So Xander says slugs even get turned off by slugs. And I thought that's kind of rude. I bet you you slugs would be upset if they heard the way that they are being defamed here. And then I thought, I wonder how slugs have sex. Oh, my gosh. Did you happen to find an episode of Green Porno starring Isabella Rotman? Uh, I didn't, but I I do know that. Oh, my God. Isabella Rotman. Isabella Rossellini. (laughs) I mean, to be fair, Isabella Rotman would totally do also insects. She would know. Porno. Yeah. Uh, no, I did not look up the Isabella Rossellini uh, insect porn for this, uh, but I did find a BBC article that I would love to read to you. Um, if it's not, yes. if it's not too, if it's not too intense for the listenership, I would like to read to you Ooh. this little snippet from an article by Michelle Douglas. Are you ready? I'm reading it verbatim, and we're all going to journey together. <clears throat> okay. This is about a leopard slug specifically. A leopard slug's huge blue-tinted penis and upside-down reproductive acrobatics make for a colorful sex life. Twisting their slimy bodies together, the large slugs dangle upside down from a glittering rope of mucus, slowly rotating. Then, out of the mollusk's head, emerge large blue tube-like growths that can wrap and writhe around each other. If you come across this weird sight, you'd be forgiven for thinking the slug's wriggling blue protrusions were some sort of parasite or even emerging young. But what you'd actually be witnessing is a mating ritual of a pair of amorous leopard slugs and the large blue tubes that grow out of the right side of the slug's heads are their immense penises. Terrestrial slugs are hermaphrodites, so by wrapping their penises around one another, leopard slugs fertilize each other's eggs. Welcome to the strange, sticky, and sensational world of slug sex. 
Um, their penises come out of their heads. <laughs> Sound familiar? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's pretty wild. It's pretty fucking wild, pretty right? Pretty wild. Yeah. Um, yeah, for uh, to get further blasted with information, I would recommend anyone listening to check out Isabella Rossellini's yes. green porno series about insect. It started as insect uh, mating, but I think it eventually grew to expand the series uh, into uh, more of the animal kingdom. Worth oh my God. a watch. Oh, it's it's phenomenal. It's fantastic. I will never forget the episodes of that show that I have seen. <clears throat> uh, stunning. And so, you know, Xander, back off on the slugs because I bet you you can't dangle from a glittering rope of mucus <laughs> xander you've never extended a penis out the right side of your head not once ever <laughs> put up or shut up uh, so anyway thank you for humoring me jenny and uh, my pleasure really thank you and listeners, the because pleasure. you didn't have the opportunity to shut me up yeah so. <laughs> anyway uh you know what else is happening in this scene hmm well, you may remember that uh, currently on on Angel, Tina Kennard has dropped in from the L word. I didn't really uh, want to be reminded, but sure. I know. It's such an enormous bummer. <laughs> I'm so upset about it all the time. <laughs> uh, but in this scene, Dawn is wearing a shirt that has a gold glittering Foxy Brown logo on it. She does. That is the logo of the film Foxy Brown. Starring none other than Pam Greer. Kit Porter, baby. Who plays Kit Porter on the L word. I'm growing uncomfortable. The walls are clo- The walls, but like with an L at the beginning of the word walls that is silent, are closing in on me. I don't want to be here. I come here to relax. I come here to avoid the L word. Do you know when Foxy Brown starring Pam Greer was released? Uh, I'm so glad you asked because I am uniquely prepared to answer that question it came out in 1974 1974 so so by that math and i'm maybe this is very common knowledge but uh, the rapper foxy brown took her name from the film foxy brown then mm-hmm. right like because that, that's one what, assumes yeah when i saw this shirt i was like this is a rapper but i was like but also it's something else because i know that this is not a shirt that is Attached to the rapper Foxy Brown, and there it all is. So there's the loop de loop. Six degrees of separation. We got you the L word. We Jenny is making a face of shock. What's going on? Did you know that Pam Greer also plays the titular character Jackie Brown in the 1997 Quentin Tarantino film? Oh, I did. Yo, fucking Pam Greer is the shit. Pam Greer is yeah. She's a, she's a fucking big deal. She's amazing. The L, the L word was lucky to have her. <laughs> actually, you know, this is actually perfect. You moved us from Buffy the Vampire Slayer to Angel to the L word to Pam Greer. And now I'm going to hop back to Buffy by way of the L word because this is the most lesbian shit ever. Xander telling Willow that Buffy wants Tara at her party. Oh my god! <laughs> Living, laughing, loving, queer culture. Going to parties. <laughs> Is that it? So yeah, I was. You know, uh, there's um a couple of big queer culture moments in this episode. Um, 
This is one, and I can't wait to get to the second. <laughs> but um, this is, at first I was like rude, Buffy, like rude, you know? But then I like really reflected on that and my feelings and was like, wow, Buffy wants to feel seen. And the only person who can truly see her at this point is Tara, because Tara is the only one who knows her truth. It is her birthday. And then I thought, you know, queer people are better than most at sort of working through their emotional feelings uh, to reach a place of healthy stasis. So perhaps, you know, perhaps Buffy just on some cellular level knew that if anyone could do this, it was the two queer ladies on the show. Yeah, you had me at healthy stasis. (laughs) I don't know where that came from. It was all the slug talk. I got very (laughs) sciencey. Not only is it totally chill, but Willow is stoked yeah she is i know it's so awkward when they get okay we'll get there don wants to go to the mall uh everyone's busy oh no you can't let a teen run around the mall uh unsupervised but more on that later oh don is Uh, just winona ridering up and down this mall (laughs) willow we learn is in spellcasters anonymous though they are seeking a better name yeah, an interesting uh, concept because it means that there are many people who are trying to recover from magic addiction, like Willow. And they're all in Sunnydale. <laughs> Maybe it's Which ritual. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Oh, could be. They're all on Zoom. Uh, but oh, but it's Broom because they're <laughs> in Spellcasters Anonymous. Um, <laughs> really? Uh-huh. For that? Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Okay. Um. Anya's putting Giles' feather duster to good use. He clearly didn't take that back to England with him. Oh, my nice. God. How did I miss that? I always, oh always yeah, she's spot dusting. the feather duster, and I fucking missed it. Yeah. So Dawn goes to the mall by herself, and we see a brief clip of her getting home, and she's wearing a stolen coat, and the pockets are full <gasps> of stolen goods. Uh, Have you ever stolen a garment by putting it on underneath a garment? I'm sure you've never stolen anything, but have you ever known anyone who stole a garment by putting it on underneath another garment? Um, I have never stolen a garment by putting it on underneath another garment. I have known somebody who has, and I have stolen things from the mall. (gasps) (laughs) Mostly earrings. Uh, This podcast is not condoned theft of any kind but you know sometimes I was a teen. you're I was a teen. an unsupervised teen at the mall literally this is what happens unsupervised teen. <laughs> and also like it was not worth I also stole cigarettes oh my god that's so so unsupervised teen of me uh, but those mm. I had to steal because I couldn't buy them even if I had yeah. wanted to do it the honest way they were uh, illegal right. for me so. out of your reach <laughs> anyway uh we see Dawn at school the next day getting called out of class to the guidance office. I love how this person just interrupts the teacher from outside of the classroom. And it's like, we need Dawn at the guidance office. Also, I'm sorry. A little like sensitivity training for the fucking school here. Like they they should fucking know that Dawn was called out of class to be told that her mother had died. Like maybe there's a better way. Yeah. Hmm. Yes. Correct. Also, where do they go to high school? It's very mysterious, Kristen. 
It's okay, very also, mysterious. How did fucking Helfreck get a fucking office in the school? Like, what is happening here? This is what I'm talking about with this episode. Helfreck's just like yeah. strolled in, sat down at a desk and said, I'm the new guidance counselor. Can you please get me Dawn Summers? Put a pin, put a long, sturdy pin in the conversation <laughs> around what the Sunnydale sending district gets up to with regard to guidance counselors. <laughs> Just put a pin in it. Put it in your Shanshu uh, prophecies, but in the yes. Buffy section. Okay. That's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Somehow. Halfrek, who we are not meant to know is Halfrek yet. Right. Has has conned her way into her own office. And I have to say, she's a very convincing, very compelling guidance counselor. I was ready to tell her my family Yo, secrets. same. That manicure, man. It's all the manicure. The manicure is really what made me want to tell all my secrets to her. It was so nice. Yeah. And <laughs> the most important part of her job is looking after us. We wayward youth stealing I mean, cigarettes. You know, her and Doris have a lot in common, you know? Like, D- Doris and fucking Halfrek. Mmm. Of course, Doris. Yeah, they're they're trying to look out for Dawn. Dawn's best interests. Um, Dawn makes a wish. People have a tendency to go. This is this is like you know we jest, we joke. Uh, Dawn is always wah wah wang, blah blah blah. But like Dawn, I think we've also given like good voice to the fact that Dawn has moved through massive amounts of trauma. Um, and the fact that she gives voice to it even for a moment here is is nice. It's nice to like see her be able to share even the tiniest bit of her pain. And she says, people have a tendency to go away and I miss them. I wish I could make them stop going away. When you like really, I know when you like really listen to those words, they are quite heartbreaking and really, really fucking true. Like this is, she has suffered so much loss um, and has not been given the tools nor anyone else. Uh, You know, they all really need a fucking guidance counselor. A a good guidance counselor is needed for this group. (laughs) So anyway, yeah, a little bit of honestly happy to see a little bit of therapy roll up on the group. Right? Even if it's a vengeance demon, we'll take we'll fucking take it. <laughs> we will. Okay. It's party time. Excellent. Uh Buffy reveals that she invited Sophie from work. Yeah, she did. Sophie from work is Sophie from work is queer so... culture. <laughs> Sophie from work is so close to my heart, and I love Sophie her. from. I'm skipping ahead for 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 queer culture because I can't <laughs> I can't hold it in anymore. Fucking Sophie walks in and is like, "My mom told me to say thank you right away, so I wouldn't forget." And here's a list of the things I cannot eat. Sophie is queer culture. Okay, so in your mind, queer culture. Okay, dietary restrictions definitely queer culture. Yeah. Uh, my mom said, what's, tell me more about that. Well, it's mostly the dietary restrictions, but it's also just like the general, like the general ownership of awkwardness that Sophie brings in with her, you know, that like, it's not that like she says, my mom told me, it's just that she like does what her mom told her to do. And she doesn't seem embarrassed by it whatsoever. It's just her general presence in the room um plus the diet the dietary restrictions is really what put it over the top for me i used to uh direct a camp uh for for many many queer people and let me tell you that one of the biggest things to navigate was dietary restrictions we've got a lot of sure we've got a lot of them as a community okay okay so xander and anya reveal they've also invited someone a boy for buffy this is horrible why did they do this i mean 
in their defense, he is a cute, nice boy. He's fucking fine. But in everyone else, as a voice of the people of listenership of this pod, we have, if we've learned one thing, it's that cute, nice boys are not what we want to see Buffy with. No, but I just think like, okay, here's the thing. Like, healthily speaking, if you're friends with somebody who... Um, you know, has like lost her first love because he was an ensouled vampire who she like had to kill, but then he was alive, but then they couldn't have sex. And then he moved to Los Mm. Angeles. And then Mm. she was like, you know, with somebody else. And that guy was like part of an initiative. And like he flew Mm. away while she was chasing after him. (laughs) And then like she died. And then like you brought her back to life. I would just like suggest, I would just like gently suggest that you say, we have this nice guy we know. We would love for you to meet him. When's a good time? You know what I mean? Instead of like, we invited sure, him but to your birthday party. That's how They I'm also asking. know Buffy and they know that Buffy would say never is a good time. And, and Anya just wants correct. Anya wants Buffy to bang it out. That's she thinks- the thing. That's the thing. No, Anya does not want Buffy to bang it out. Anya wants oh. Anya wants a fucking double date, and she fucking says it herself. Oh yeah, yeah she's yeah. like, maybe you'll meet and get married and have babies, and then we can go on double dates. And Xander and I will finally have somebody to talk to. <laughs> Honestly, what if Anya just cut out the middleman, Buffy? And invited Richard into a thruple so she could... I assumed that that's how they met Richard before I realized nice. that Xander <laughs> he's from the He's from the work site. Yeah. I realized that after, but at first I was like, how do they know Richard? Probably they had a, a threesome with Richard, you know? I well, mean, which we is know he's good table. with he, he must be good with tools. I mean, he seems like he is good with tools, you know? Not with scissors. I'm talking about... So he could fucking... Yeah, I know what okay. you're talking about. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I might only be at level 720, but I can catch your references. Thank you very much. Okay, 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 okay. So, in other news, Tara arrives and asks Buffy how she's doing and if Spike is coming. Very supportive. Love yeah. to see the Tara-Buffy friendship. Yeah. Uh, just simply love to see it. Willow is upstairs getting dressed very carefully. Willow comes down the stairs sometime after Tara says the word gulp out loud. And uh, Buffy, always eternally very, very cool and collected, is like, oh, hello, Willow, someone's calling me. Did you hear that? And runs away. Yeah, and then Willow and Tara have this like very delightfully awkward exchange telling each other they look nice. You got a new shirt. You know, like, of course, Willow would notice this because they know each other's wardrobes probably from sharing them. You look. Thanks. Great. Thanks. You do, too. Is that a new? Yes. It's nice. Thanks. (laughs) Verbatim. That's the the words on the page. (laughs) So Tara's like, I'm going to go get a drink. And then like and then, Willow like, chugs water. Well, I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, yes, that But before <laughs> before she gets to the kitchen, we hear Willow like fully pull. And I carried a watermelon moment where she's like, yeah, <laughs> you don't want to get thirsty. <laughs> so. It's good. It's good. I like it. You know, that's wow. what I said. This episode as a whole, mm, I give it a thumbs down. But as a, as moments within the episode, I've enjoyed myself. Speaking of watermelon and clear drinks, have you ever taken a watermelon, 
punched a bunch of holes in it and then funneled vodka into the watermelon and then eaten the vodka watermelon? Uh, I've heard of this. I've eaten the watermelon. I have not myself funneled the vodka into the holes. Well, me neither. In fact, I've never had a drink in my life. Moving on. (laughs) So, okay, Spike is here. Tara has, like you said, just chugged some water for the sweet release that it will offer her. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, it's just a little water to take the edge off. (laughs) (laughs) Spike arrives with a six pack of beer and I'm not going to go too far down this rabbit hole, but I do have questions about how beer and alcohol in general affect vampires and how that works because... Wouldn't you think that to get drunk, they would need to drink blood that had alcohol in it? Like, it doesn't seem like mm. their body could digest and metabolize just the alcohol. Um, According to the parameters of this show, we see vampires eat and drink stuff, and it doesn't affect them. I, if you're thinking of <laughs> the uh, biological lore of... The what we do in the shadows verse, where even a a crumb of food passes the lips of a vampire. (laughs) They like projectile vomit so hard that it like propels them 20 feet in the air. And like they like whip around like a balloon that has been punctured. (laughs) Such a good show. If you haven't watched that show, stop listening to this podcast right now. Go watch that show. Um, But, you know, we see in, in I will I think in I will remember you. When Angel's going nuts eating the ice cream, yeah, uh, he's like, you know, we can eat, but it's just like less exciting. Like the flavor is is damped down. So I wonder if you have to drink or can drink more alcohol without getting messy if you're a vampire. Yeah, like that's, that's more what I mean. Like down. I know they can consume it. I just don't really understand. Like I know, you know, we know that Spike likes to sprinkle stuff in his blood to give it various flavors. And I get that. Mm-hmm. But like I just scientifically don't understand how the... Because the thing that came into we my mind We also know was, that Spike likes to do things just to look cool. Yeah, that, So r- correct, it could right. be that. He can't breathe. He smokes. He can't consume alcohol for any effect. He still drinks. So yeah, I think that's the reason. Yeah. I'm Clement. Clem. Clement. I'm Clement, he says. Oh, God, we love Clem. This is a podcast. Yeah, look at Clem. He's the best. Just in love with Clem. And then um, our red shirt arrives, Mr. Richard. (laughs) Our red shirt. Wow. Somebody's been catching up on fucking (laughs) genre entertainment. Uh, Richard needs, quote, (laughs) help, quote, parking, quote, his car wink 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 buffy will show you spike is unimpressed or very committed to uh putting off the appearance of being very unimpressed dude where should i park is the most ridiculous fucking thing that this guy could need help they live in a sleepy little town you can park literally anywhere street parking driveway parking 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 Jenny, since you sort of poked friendly fun at my red shirt comment, do you want to do you want to tell like what if people don't know what a red shirt is? Oh, sure, sure, sure. A red shirt um, is somebody who's kind of expendable, not necessarily part of the core cast. And it comes from Star Trek. Uh, you remember Jean-Luc Picard and <laughs> all the other ones, Wesley uh, you know, they've got their little blue outfits. They've got their little gold outfits. 
But then there's people in the background, extras, milling about. If a laser is going to pierce anyone's flesh, it's probably <laughs> theirs. They're wearing red shirts. Yes. Uh, I just, I'm, I'm rewatching Lost, and I just watched the episode where the science teacher explodes. Uh, and I was like, oh, that's totally a red shirt. He's a red shirt. He's a character that, like, let us know the danger of carrying the dynamite without us having to lose any of our core cast. He was not wearing an actual red shirt, but he was a red shirt. (laughs) So, uh, listen, I'm going to call it right here, and I'm going to say that this might be Tara's best episode. This is, I am going to play some serious sound clips from Tara, and I'm going to start here where... Tara is speaking to Clem and Spike about Richard. I don't know. He seemed cute. Was he cute? I mean, I'm not a very good judge, but I think he seemed cute. I think he seemed cute. This is Tara's best episode, tied maybe with Dead Things and also with The Body. Uh, As I said, my favorite use of Tara... Yeah. is uh, this this un- very unique friendship between her and Buffy. Unique for Buffy, you know? Yeah. And, and like, Tara, right. I mean, Tara has had uh, incredible episodes in terms of, like, being, like, healthily showing up for people, notably Buffy. Mm-hmm. But the reason that's Also this... moving vending machines with her mind, sure. Yeah, true, true. But this episode, it's like Tara has, like, found some inner fucking strength in this breakup, mm-hmm. and you can see her wielding it. I mean, she just has so many good moments, especially with Spike in this episode, and I love it. Yeah. I love it so much for her. Um, I also love Clem agreeing that Richard is indeed cute. Yes. Hell yes, Clem. Clem. Oh. Don is in the living room being infantilized by Anya, who is just like, you couldn't understand anything, and like patting her on the head just to drive it home. Oh, no. Oh, meanwhile, Spike is in the fucking hallway telling Buffy that she can blow out his candles, sir. Oh, my word. Sir. Um, I just, I, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You got nothing to add there? I just, you know, time and place, Spike, time and place. Time and place. This is, I will say that, like, you know, we have to navigate through so much um, mutually abusive stuff with Spike and Buffy that this episode is uh, enjoyable and that it's mostly just, like, Spike being really jealous of Richard and, like, you know, being very obvious about how jealous he is of Richard. And I... But also, like... When Buffy calls him out about being jealous, there's something more there. Like, Buffy is having a good... She's, like, enjoying Spike's jealousy. She is. She is. This is... You know, I just realized that we just came off of Couplet in uh, Angel, and Couplet is an episode that's entirely about Angel being so jealous of the Grusalog. So it's fun that we've got a little Spike, we got a little Angel. (laughs) All the vamps are feeling jealous. Oh, yeah. What did you just find Um, out, Jenny? I was just looking ahead in my notes. Are you ready? Are you ready to fucking buckle up? (laughs) Listen, I'm ready. I have to to educate the children who listen to this podcast. Yeah, go ahead. Bring us in. Oh, my God. Happy birthday, Buffy. (laughs) Willow gives Buffy a battery-operated body massager. 
for all her little achies. Instant gratification for all her little achies. Portable so she can take it with her on patrol. Um... Meanwhile, Spike is like raising one eyebrow like, I know what a vibrator is. Okay, bud, we get it. (laughs) I would just like to let you know, if you're a younger person who was watching the show and you're thinking, wow, is that what vibrators look like in 2002? No, it is not. This is a gigantic back massager. I believe it would be a little bit large to use in any kind of effective sexual manner, but we're going to go with the gag. Yes, uh... Is the sharper image still a store? Uh, In my mind and my heart, it is. I feel like this came from the sharper image from the battery-operated massager section featuring a variety of battery-operated massagers in different sizes. Do you think that, like, because I wondered why, like, this joke would have made more sense if it was a smaller back massager. And so I just wondered if, like, they were going for, like, if the comedy was rooted in the size of it or if, like, they couldn't use a smaller one for, like, network reasons. (laughs) I, like, I don't know, know, man. But the world sure has changed. I was in Walgreens the other day getting (laughs) vaccinated. And do you know what I saw? What? Right above the KY? Fucking actual legit vibrators for sale at Walgreens. Yeah. What? In, in like small town Maine, not in like New York City. I'm sorry. Even in New York City, it was not at all on my radar that vibrators were being openly sold in fucking pharmacies. I, I, this is my only, I haven't done any additional research. I don't know if this Walgreens is the exception or the rule. Was it like, was it like, was it like here's the KY and here are some back massagers, or was it no. like it was like full no. like directly? They're this like, is a vibrator. Yeah, there is no mistaking <laughs> the intended use. Wow, I mean, I'm impressed. I'm here for it. Vibrators for everyone, you know, just like Oprah says. Yeah. She always for is you saying that. And uh-huh. you. <laughs> and you. Anyway, okay then. Okay, everyone's thinking about Buffy and her needs. And Dawn, this birthday season, is thinking, what does Buffy need? What does she not have enough of? What could Buffy really use? I know, a leather jacket for her leather jacket collection. Yeah, it was a toss-up between... so many leather jackets! It was a toss-up between a leather jacket or a cross necklace, you know? Which one am I going to get? Yeah, yeah. Um... Yeah, but it's it's sweet and complicated. And like, that's one of the little jewels, I think, in this episode is that like these moments. Dawn has good, good writing in this episode, because like even the fact that she's so mad and she's so sad and she feels so alone. But some of the acting out that she's doing in response to those feelings of loss is still centering around what she really thinks Buffy would like. And you can see like she says I was so afraid he wouldn't like it. Like, she wanted her to like it so much. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. really, it's painfully beautiful, and I think it's well done. And this this leather jacket has one thing that all of Buffy's other leather jackets don't have, and that sure. is a security tag still attached to it. Hmm, what could it all mean? Before we think too much about security tags, remember those ones that, like, if you if you jiggled it too much, it would squirt ink all over whatever it was? <laughs> yes. 
seems so counterintuitive yes. for everyone involved. Yeah, <laughs> uh, try to steal, try to steal our products, and uh, we will destroy them so that neither you nor we can enjoy them. <laughs> Hashtag capitalism. Yeah. So, um, so I, I almost cried. I almost cried an actual tear in this next gift giving scene because Xander has with his hands created a wooden weapon chest for Buffy and it is really beautiful and it is really sweet and thoughtful and just I don't know it just felt like this moment to me of Xander is often the character who's kind of like hanging in the background and you think like oh it's fucking Xander he's not paying attention he's not doing this he's not doing that and and you know I just love these moments where we see like actually for a lot of the last few episodes Xander has been participating in the episode and also going home at night and working on this wooden chest for Buffy oh yeah right and like that is powerful also, I'm just realizing they're like, hmm, this brand new custom handmade weapons chest for your regular weapons and your not so regular weapons. And like Richard and Sophie are there. Yeah. Like, what do they think? I don't know. It's just like a big play on pl- actual. Actually, Sophie is not yet there, um, but mm. Richard is there. And Sorry. I think it's just plausible deniability, you know, just mm. like like everyone else in Sunnydale. They turn the other way. They believe only yeah. what they choose to believe. And Xander does say that he made a room for CDs. So that's probably what Richard hears. Oh, a CD case. Beautiful. <laughs> so... In comes Sophie. I've already uh, shouted about how much I love Sophie and her entrance. I love everything about Sophie. Sophie rules. I would like to hang out with Sophie. Anya disagrees. (laughs) Our friend is better, says Anya. (laughs) Rude. Rude. Sophie's freaking adorable. I love her. Yeah. And then um, we get the reveal on the porch that uh, guidance counselor is actually Halfrek. She says, wish granted. Oh, my God. Nice little shot of Clem dancing. Yo, Clem and Sophie. And then Anya is just hand dancing from the couch, which I think is also very respectable. Yeah, I loved Anya's hand dance. I wrote it in my notes. Dawn looking pleased as a a little fucking uh, metallic squishy container of Capri Sun. Pleased as punch, but Capri Sun. Wow. Richard sees Buffy in the hallway and is like, I just can't seem to tear myself away. (laughs) Spike is like lurking behind him, watching this whole exchange. And then Buffy's like, anyway, I'm going to go like to the other room. And Richard in his finest moment says, I'll look for you, dude, 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 (laughs) dude. No, Richard. Also, there's. There's a bunch of different music uh, used throughout the night. I think we like eventually hear the cranberries and some other stuff. But here as Buffy and Richard talk in the hall and as Clem dances up a storm, the music really reminds me of the from the episode with the... Yes, exactly. It's like similarly like what? sync music house cooked this up for good for the good times party music folder 
so Richard leaves. He's going to look for Buffy at the club slash looking at the, the living room. And Spike is like, ooh, Buffy, I think I'm in love because he's jealous. Jealous is a hilarious look on Spike. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And Tara walks in. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. They are leaned up against the wall and we are led to believe that perhaps Buffy's hand is somewhere on Spike's pants. Because he had a muscle cramp. He had a muscle cramp and Buffy was helping him. Kristen, get your mind out of the gutter. Amber Benson's acting in this scene is fantastic. Her, like, delight at catching them. Like, she can't hide. (laughs) And I love that. And then the fact that she's, like, fully calling Spike out when he's trying to be like, it was a muscle cramp. And she's like, "Uh, muscle cramp in your pants? Yeah. Oh, so nobody can leave. They want to get beer. They can't leave. We're in game night. They're playing Monopoly. (laughs) Clem's take on poker. It's weird without the kittens. (laughs) Um, Doesn't know what to do without the kittens. I love that Tara's playing poker. Uh, like that, like that, that she's part of the poker quartet over here. It's enjoyable. Mm-hmm, Spike mm-hmm. makes some other comments about sex and Tara. This is what I'm talking about, man. Tara, how's that cramp, Spike? Maybe you want to put some ice on it. Fucking zing, <laughs> zing, zing. She's all over the place in this episode. I love it. Go, Tara, go. Uh, Anya wants the Monopoly game to continue so she can bankrupt someone. <laughs> of course. <laughs> oh, typical. Anya. Um, I actually we'll we'll get there in the conversation, but I I have some issues with some of the choices made for Anya's character here. I don't I, I think Anya acts a bit mm. out of character in this episode. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. But Don and Clem watching some cartoons because we have made it through the night and had a sleepover. No one has left. It's true. Richard's like, Xander, we got to get to work. Like, it's like, yeah, I want to eat Richard. (laughs) (laughs) That's one way to eliminate the competition. Oh, my God. Eat them. Yeah. Also, Spike is like. We do not joke about eating people in this house. (laughs) A good line. A good line. Cross stitch it and hang it on the wall. Damn it. Ooh, that would be a great thing to have as a cross stitch. I love that. So um, Willow and Tara are in the kitchen bonding over their shared feeling around the curse of being stuck in a house. Spike and Buffy realize that also they're trying to leave and can't. And this is when everyone sort of is like, okay, something's up. So a group meeting is called in the living room. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How could you be Dawn in this position? How could you be Dawn in this position and be like, oh, people physically can't leave the house? Well, why do they want to leave so bad? Why do they all want to go away from me? Dawn, you're trapped in your house, too. You can't go to Janice's house for taco night. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Dawn is... Don is like uh, metaphorically stomping and then, to the delight of me, literally stomping. (laughs) Sure, of course you want to leave. Willow not helping things by being like, we have important things to do. Oh my God. Yeah, they all find really like shitty with the shittiest possible way to say what they're trying to say. But it's, it's literally just a practical concern. What about groceries? Right. So Don is like, stop, 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 stop. And they all follow her up the stairs. Literally all like, Xander's all like, hey, them. we've all been there. Sometimes you find a little musical amulet. Yeah. Sometimes you <laughs> invoke the fucking powers of a musical 
typical little demon who comes to seek a child, Brian. I don't know. It just happens. <laughs> Stuff happens. Just be honest with us. Yeah, Xander. Xander also like doing a great job here. You know, hey, hey, bud. Listen, you were upset we wanted to leave, and now we can leave. We're just asking you if maybe he makes the children of the corn reference. Uh, and then Dawn still in stomp stomp oh mode is like, I'm glad you're stuck. Um, and then <laughs> how else could I get anyone to spend any time with me? <laughs> Meh. I and mean, then- we also are sad for Dawn, but <laughs> yeah, so but over the top. <laughs> I mean, Dawn, she's like, uh, gets very mad at them. And I'm going to play a sound clip and then we'll talk about it. Okay. Let's, let's hear what Dawn has to say at the end of this scene. Dawn. If you want us to spend time with I you, I don't. Get out. Get out, get out, get out! Have we heard her scream, get out, get out, get out before, or do I just have this burned in my memory? No, so we, she does it in season five. She does sometime. it in season five, and get this. So she does it in season five, this very similar get out, get out, get out. She's saying <sighs> it to Joyce and Buffy in season five. Mm. Get out, get out, get out! The episode is Blood Ties. And it is also Buffy's birthday episode of season five. Wee or how do you make a spooky noise? That's a siren. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Anya downstairs. I think she's possessed, Xander. She's just a teenager. Yeah, fair. Fair on all counts. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. So I was going to ask you a question, Jenny, about um, Halfrek's vengeance spell here. Because I'm wondering if in the vengeance spell, the phones were mystically cut or if like Halfrek did the spell, but then went to the back of the house and just cut the line. (laughs) 
<laughs> I like the idea of Halfrek with some wire cutters, but I, I think it's a, a mystical phone mystical. line AT- AT&T severing. AT&T cannot help us here. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Buffy is like, Dawn's, like, Buffy is seeing how angry Dawn is for what feels like the first time. Um, you know, she she's... So mad. Yes, she's she is so mad. She's been very mad. Everyone is too traumatized to see anyone else's trauma. Uh, Buffy is like, we need magic. Tara, I don't have supplies. Willow, I kept a few things just in case. Herg. Everyone is so mad at Willow. And this is, again, messy metaphor because Willow was correct. <laughs> they needed the magic beans that Tara is using to make this spell. And yeah, and so Willow saved to a can of magic beans. So. Yeah, good job, Willow, I guess. It's very complicated. Also, the um, misuse of magic metaphor crumbling around the idea of I saved some in case we would need it to fight evil right Right. exactly exactly i mean literally exactly like then the same thing when we get to the scene with anya later which is an upsetting scene but it's also just like (laughs) but you would never be in a position where beer could save the uh, contents of the household that doesn't that you know it just it it falls a little bit apart here but regardless tara makes her little black bean burger patty that's for the magic, and she sets it on fire, and she says, release. It's beans. Those are beans. Do they not look like beans to you? <clears throat> um, well, beans are no beans. Uh, the spell works, but not in the way we were all hoping. Oh, no. It releases, all right. It releases the fucking Alex Mack sword demon from his sword, and immediately he's like, there's the guy in the red shirt. <laughs> he's the one I'm supposed to stab. And Richard gets stabbed. Do you call it getting stabbed when it's with a sword? Well, sure. I mean, I think he more gets slashed than stabbed. That's true. That's true. Um, thank God for sorting this out. Swording this out. Oh. Uh <laughs> This demon is even less convincing in the sobering light of day. Like, what is his point? What does he want? Like, like Spike says at one point, like, he, he comes back when he's feeling a bit peckish. Like, for murder? Like, what is the... <laughs> Come on, guys. Mm, I'm hungry for murder. <laughs> <laughs> Smells like... What the fuck did that vampire say? Mmm, I smell fear. <laughs> it smells good. Classic. So uh, we we sort of transitioned from one scene to the next year with, I thought it was Anya saying, oh God, oh God. And then, but then Sophie is saying, oh God, oh God, at the, at the window. So, hey, uh, everyone can say, oh God, in this episode. Well, I just, Things the are reason not that going I asked, well. <clears throat> the reason that I ask our listenership is just because it seemed out of character for Anya to be like, oh God, oh God, just because she's a fucking vengeance demon. She's seen more than yeah. a sword slash in her life. But anyway, you can sort that out amongst, you can sort that out amongst yourselves. Nice. Very nice. Thank you. So, uh, hey, Spike has an idea. So, you ever think about not celebrating your birthday? Just to try it, I mean. This is a great idea. Yeah. Have you ever thought about it? Have you ever thought about we're in season six, motherfucker? (laughs) What if just on Halloween and your birthday, you leave town every year? (laughs) Yes. Just an idea. Pack your shampoo and conditioner. Get out of here. Come on. Um, 
somehow the sound of of the demon being in the walls is the same sound of being in the belly of an old ship <laughs> tossed about on the waves are the sea uh there's so much like ancient wooden creaking going on <laughs> the hull is rocking what the fuck <laughs> I don't know. This episode is off the fucking rails. This episode is lost its so fucking shit. I don't know what place. is happening. Uh, <laughs> so, Anya is experiencing hot flashes. Well, she before, is. Before Anya is having anxiety attacks, uh, Tara does not understand how to dress a wound. And I just want to point it out. Oh, what's she doing? I missed this it. This boy has his shirt on still. Just attached to the wound. The red shirt is just in the wound. And and Tara is maybe holding a bottle of peroxide. And, nice. And like tapping down on the bloody wound, picks up the bloody cloth, puts it against the bottle of peroxide again, and then pats it more on the wound. No. Tara, no. No. Simply Tara, no. That's not. It's not helping Richard at all. Oh, my God. No wonder Anya's having hot flashes. <laughs> yeah. So this is so this is interesting. And I think like, you know, Anya and Xander have a couple of important moments in this episode. Uh, Anya's really, really scared and overwhelmed. But I, it's just like, what is this? Why is she panicking so much? Um, because it doesn't feel like she's panicking just because they're trapped in the house. It feels like Anya is at a very, very high stress level. She is consumed by the wedding. She has just had Halfrek talking to her about Xander and what he is or is not good at doing for her. And it feels like, to me, this feels more like an embodiment of the many anxieties that Anya is having that are being spurred on by this rather than like she's panicked about being stuck in the house. She's not fucking panicked about being stuck in the house. She's Anya. Yeah, it's like very, it's very unher. I mean, she's also like, we, he's going to die and we're going to watch. And I know she's been mortal for like a minute, but like how many people has she watched die because right. of her? Right. So the only way that I can like make her, at least her anxiety believable is to say that this is not about the situation at hand and she's using it as a vehicle. Sort of like, you know, like if I'm like getting ready to go somewhere and I've been really feeling stressed out about my life and my family and my this and my that and I'm like, this shirt just doesn't look right, you know? And it's like, that's what's the end of the world but really it's just yeah. that i have a lot of other feelings i think that's what's happening here because otherwise this makes no sense for on young yeah yeah well xander says he's gonna go get her some water and xander uh, being a good being a good boy he's being a good boy but oh no he gets snagged by the alex mack demon just don't worry his boyfriend's here to him. save him <gasps> Go on, tell me all about it. Spike's like, no, not my not lover. my Xander. <laughs> Anyone but him. And Spike takes the sword demon and they fight and they fight. And Buffy's like, grab his sword. Because somehow she's put it together that his sword is the source of his power. Xander gets mm -hmm. slashed, mm -hmm. um, a more minor wound because his shirt is not red and Anya sees that he's wounded and they have another moment. The very intense moments between Xander and Anya here in this episode. A, a great moment from Dawn is right around the bend here, Jenny. I, I really felt like you specifically would delight at this line. Dude. Dude. <laughs> Buffy. Dawn, are you okay? <laughs> Dawn, do you care? 
Why do you think she's fucking asking, Dawn? She's asking because she cares. Good Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. This is ridiculous. Get it together. Oh, Dawn turns to the corner from hilarity, for, for us at least, to seriousness and says to Buffy, like, you don't know what it's like to be alone. Um, counterpoint. You know, I think maybe she does, but one girl, literally one girl in all the world. <laughs> literally, <laughs> it is in the text. Somebody, somebody pushed over a copy of Vampire, Vampire, Vampire. <laughs> to Dawn so she can fucking read that shit. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so here's our scene with uh, Anya being a real big asshole to Willow about the use of magic. Ooh, yes, this is bad, actually. This is really bad. Um, Anya has really snapped here and is just telling Willow, like, you know what? It's not that you can't do the magic. It's that you won't do the magic. Like, we're all stuck in this fucking house and you could get us out and you're not because you just won't. Um, it's bad. Luckily... It's Tara's best episode, and I'm gonna play another motherfucking sound clip for us because Tara rules. You're gonna back off. She said no, and that's it. You're not gonna make her do something that she doesn't want to. And if you try, you're gonna have to go through me first. So, this is a great moment for Tara. My only note mm-hmm. is that ending it with if you wanna get to her, you're gonna have to come through me first coming from Tara is maybe not like the most threatening thing. Hey, Tara's still a powerful if witch. If you're going to come after Willow, I'm going to give you a big hug first. <laughs> and if you can wriggle out of my cozy little hug and then you still, after our hug, feel like going after Willow, I guess then that's oh, what will happen. I um, bet you it would work. It, Xander also agrees with Anya leading up to this. I think it's important to yeah. note. And, and I just had a thought. I think maybe what's perhaps this is just a furthering of your point. This is the first time in Anya's existence, at least in the last thousand years, that she has had, to put it like very coarsely, something to live for. Mm. She is in love mm. and she is going to marry Xander and she like wants to have children and wants to have a life with him and like that seeing that on the other side of possibly like a wall that you can't get through Mm. i.e. this night i.e. this house Mm -hmm. I mean that's I could see why that might make her uh start to unravel a little yeah yeah however I do not condone her behavior no i mean this is rough but it also like i mean and this isn't to excuse their behavior but it it is like they are also struggling with the fucking metaphor here right because Mm -hmm. (laughs) because oh yeah you know the the what is on the other side of this risk is they all die so it, it is a little hard to navigate um how willow should be interacting with this situation uh that said it's been given to us by the show as a metaphor for the misuse of substances so this is not a good look for Anya and not a good look for Xander um but Willow says no uh Tara Tara defends her and they make it through this with um you know Anya basically being like I'll take care of it myself then um Anya and the way that she's gonna take care of it is by tossing Don's room (laughs) 
Yeah, she thinks she's going to find some kind of clue that will like right. lead her to the source of this, like why this is happening, that it, like Dawn has done something and she'll find that in the room. Um, as she's tearing Dawn's room apart, Dawn and Buffy are having a conversation where Dawn is like, you haven't been around. And, uh, Buffy starts to put the pieces together that all of a sudden there was this random guidance counselor who just called you into her office and you wished for the thing that is happening now. Okay. (laughs) So (laughs) they go and they see Anya. Oh no, oh no. Dawn's room and she empties over the case where she keeps all of the stolen goods and sees that like half of the like here's a bunch of stolen shit, A. B, half of the shit is stolen from the magic box itself. So it's a moment, and I don't know, Jenny, like if you can recall moments like this in your teenhood where you, you, I mean, like, I made my parents mad a bunch of times, all the time, but, like, there were a couple of moments where, like, I could see the disappointment and sadness Ugh. in their face. I hate when they're disappointed. It's just a real bummer. And I think what's interesting, because I was thinking about it, like, this is sad. Like, when, when Anya looks at Don and is like, how could you do this? It's really... In contrast to how she treats her like a child in the scene earlier, right? Like when she oh, looks yeah. at Dawn and says, how could you do this? She's treating Dawn like an adult person and like, oh, yeah. this is not okay. And how how could you? So even though it's heart-wrenching, it's also like a bit of what I think Dawn is after. Like Dawn wants to be asked that question and not just yeah. told to like go in the other room so they can discuss what to do with her kleptomaniac self. Yeah, it's true. Well, well, oh no, oh no. And then, oh no, Buffy looks at the leather jacket that she was so excited to add to her leather jacket collection and never stopped to think for a second, where did Dawn get money for a leather jacket? Yeah. Was she mowing lawns? Uh, <laughs> and Buffy's like the security. <laughs> yes. And Buffy does the does the math. And, uh, you know, clocks that, oh, the security tags are on that because my sister has a theft situation. Right. And so she I, she does a good job, I think, Buffy, in this moment of um, holding both things at once. You know, she's like, Dawn has done something wrong and this is, like, true and we will discuss it and deal with it. But also, sh- th- this was not intentional, us being in this house and here's what happened. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so as soon as the group hears what happened, Anya is like, get damn it, Hallie, get your ass down here, summoning yeah. Halfrek, who is immediately stabbed. Halfrek is like, bloop. Stab. <laughs> Anya, Anya is like like so upset that she summoned Hall because she said she basically says right before Hallie is stabbed, the only way to break a vengeance demon spell is for the vengeance demon to break it herself. And so then they summon Hallie and Hallie is stabbed, and now Anya has really snapped and she's beating oh, yeah. up the sword demon, saying, I hope you die, you stupid jerk face. Nice. <laughs> it's it's good. It's good. Um, love that Buffy gets the demon by going fishing, going fishing into the wall. Hell yeah. Shish kebab. And then <laughs> yanks him back out. Shish demon. Uh, don't worry. Hallie's fine. She's like, oh, this is, it is but a flesh wound. <laughs> yeah. So we learned that vengeance demons cannot die by a uh, sword. 
And um, hmm. speaking of swords, Buffy snaps the sword, important to note, so that the goo demon is now, I guess, dead, or at least in another sword in the house somewhere. Who knows? We'll find I, out. Yeah, the, the <laughs> unsolved mysteries. <laughs> um. Yeah, and Hallie is like, you will not be touching this fucking pendant. And then we get a great moment, don't we, Jenny? Where fucking Spike walks on over to fucking Hallie. <laughs> And Hallie turns around and sees Spike and says, William? And Spike says, hey, wait a minute. And then Hallie floofs her hair. And then we flash back as a collective viewership to like Fool for Love. Is that the episode where Spike is like, where William is reading his bad poetry to Cecily. Cecily is breaking his heart. And then apparently Cecily continued living her life and was called down to become a vengeance demon. And now she's fucking Halfrek. Yes, yes, uh, but she prefers uh, Justice Demon, just FYI. She does. Gr- a great line. I, I did really appreciate that. I also really love the clarity here that Vengeance Demons are not only summoned to uh, kill and take vengeance on men who have wronged women. That was just Anya's particular bent in mm-hmm. life. That is what she brought to the Vengeance Demon career with her. Uh, and Anya sort of levels at Halfrak that Halfrak brought to the table bad parents that she had yes. <laughs> Daddy issues, as she calls. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, Halford makes a little speech, you know, about how mm-hmm. everywhere she went in Sunnydale, she could hear basically like Dawn crying out in psychic pain. Yeah, uh, and everyone who's supposed to be closest to her had no idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, then she tells them to enjoy the time they have because now all they have is time. I'm wondering if. Dawn had the power to leave the house the whole time because her wish was just for everyone else (sighs) to stay there. Whoa, you're probably right. And she's the one who cast the vengeance spell unknowingly. But like, if you're the one who casts it, it wouldn't apply to you. That's a really good point, Jenny. Maybe. Maybe. It's just something to think about. Uh, And then, you know, Halfrick is all like, ha ha. So deal with that. And then she (laughs) swooshes her arms to... Do a, you know, kind of like 90s magician cloud of smoke disappearing act. But uh uh-oh, she's trapped in the house. Oh, it's good comedy because, and and great job. The the second attempt really seals the comedy here. And she does it a second time. She's she's like, like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Damn it. I think like important to just hammer this nail home with the fact that the social services and the demonic underworld are all aware of Dawn's uh, imminent peril here and no one in her closest circle has been able to like really see or engage with that um I also think it's really powerful that I know that I know that Hallie is talking like when Hallie says all you have is time in each other she is still under the impression that what she means is that they're all stuck in the house together but it did feel like quite a line for season six. Now all you have mm. is time and each other. I was like, oh, shit. She's not wrong. She's really not wrong. Well, well that is true. And Willow mm-hmm. is just taking a moment to thank Tara for what she did. And also to explain, you know, she kept the stuff as a safety net because there was a voice in her head that was always saying, what if things get really bad? 
And Tara says, you know, that's that's great. I, I understand. But mm -hmm. it's time to work without the net. And also, it did get really bad. And you still said no. Yeah. So celebrate that. Can make that. me cry. Like, the retelling of that can make me cry. It's a really, really powerful moment between the two of them. And yeah. Just, I think, you know, we get so few examples in this season, especially, of how to have hard conversations and navigate relationships that aren't what you expected them to be in powerful ways. And this moment is that. This moment is these two who were together, who aren't together, but who care for each other, who love each other. And at the end of it, Tara is like, I like, I see you, I hear you, and I'm showing yourself to you. Like, that's really what she's doing here. She's like acting as a reflection for Willow so that Willow can recognize the progress she's made, which is often hard to do from the inside, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and then they lock eyes and they say, uh, in perfect synchronization, I guess we can still keep making our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Well, Richard's got to get to the ER. Quick, it's a flesh wound. It's a whole Nobody other thing for mortals. Richard. Who cares? Put him in a cab. <laughs> uh, Anya's over there earning her new nickname, which is Anya Punitive Damages Jenkins. <laughs> Um, Everybody's yeah, just like good for the busting out of the house, spilling all out of the house. Except, you know who doesn't want to leave? Buffy? Buffy wants to stay in with Dawn? Oh, God. My last note is <sighs> sob. It's just Buffy stays with Dawn, period. <laughs> sob, period. B closes the door. Uh, uh, angly thing, n the number three to make a little heart. That's my last note. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Great. Buffy's Buffy making the choice to stay inside the house is really beautiful um, because she's finally heard. Right. She like she had to be told. But regardless, we got there and she knows that Dawn's <laughs> been in pain. Um, I'm sure she can, you know, uh, empathize in a way because she's also in deep pain. And we saw that very clearly at the end of the last episode. Um, and so now maybe they'll be able to have some conversation about what they're going through and share that. Uh, and. I would also like to say that the way that the rest of the Scooby gang responds to leaving the house is exactly the emotional uh, weight I felt when I went to Target for the first time since my vaccination. <laughs> They're like, God, look at the stars. And that was me. Except I was like, look at these candles. I can pick them up and hold them. I can buy one. I can take one to the counter. <laughs> <laughs> but they're just so excited to see the outside of the house and i think you oh, know yeah. for for the vaccinated among us uh it's a similar feeling <laughs> uh it's true it is true and you know speaking of touching things and picking them up and putting them back down again <laughs> i'd like to pivot us it's the way i always as... like to have sex <laughs> Uh, to the one, the only Sexual Tension Awards! Sexual Tension Awards! Well, here 
here we are at another round of the very exciting, always thrilling, never know what's going to happen, Sexual Tension Awards. So many slots, so many noms, but only one partnership can triumph in slot number one. Well, they've had some rough patches. We felt uh, weird things about them before, but in this episode, we're feeling pretty good about their cramps and their massagings of said cramps. It's Spike and Buffy! Monster Machine. What was that guy in that commercial? That guy that uh, was Micro like, Machines? You think micro, of micro Machines? machines. Yeah. Well, you- <laughs> it's slot number two. History repeats, or does it? Well, we have longed to see. We've often wondered what became of Cecily, and here she is. How frecked out. Spike slash William, Halfrek slash Cecily. Ah, the tension, the electricity of their eyes meeting across the room, the fluving of the hair. They are here for your consideration. Think about it. In slot number three, some spicy little noms for you. (laughs) You know, sometimes mystery is the sexiest thing of all. We are here to nominate in the third slot. The body massager and subtext. Oh. You do the math. If you Love know to use a body I mean. massager on subtext. <laughs> okay, and then in slot number four. Well, a very attractive vampire possessed by a ghost on our rival podcast once said, I'm only alive when you're inside me, which is exactly... What the demon sword says to the demon. So let's give <laughs> slot number four to the demon and the sword. I just picture like the little, like the sword, kind of like the cartoon paper clip, you know, like, just, uh-huh, like with the demon and being I'm here like, to help. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm slashy. Let I'm me know if you have any questions. Check out these eyebrows. <laughs> Ah, those Um, are your nominations for this episode's Sexual Tension Awards. Please cast your vote wisely, cast your vote strongly, cast your vote confidently, but most importantly, cast your vote. Find the poll on our Twitter at BufferingCast. The poll will be live for one week from the airing of this episode. Special consideration, uh, awards will be sent out to Xander and Spike for their saving of each other in the sword fight and to slugs for the penises that come out of their heads. Congratulations. Didn't make it into the running, but you did a good job. (laughs) Sexual attention award. Well. Well. What an episode. Here we are. You know... Like I said, not the best episode, but I will tell you what, any fucking episode in season six that lets us talk about body massagers and fucking punitive damages and red shirts and, you know what I mean? Like, I'll take it. I'll take it. It's like a, it's like a little inhale, a little oxygenation of the system. Mm -hmm, (laughs) Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and onward we shall go. And actually, our next episode uh, is live. Live, live, live. Flashing <gasps> lights. Live girls, live girls, live girls. Instead of nude girls. Here nude we are. Girls. Well, it's like live it's like, nude girls. But the nude is like crossed out. It's like that sign, but just nude is crossed out. <laughs> you know? Anyway, June 3rd, come hang out with us. We're going to be taping as you were uh- live. And you'll be able to see, like, the facial expression Jenny just made at me while I made that joke that she did not like. You'll get to see that with your own oh. eyes. 
tickets are twelve to fifteen dollars, and you can find out all the information you need at bufferingthevampireslayer.com/slash/ticketing. As you were, I wonder. I wonder how we were. I wonder who we will meet in the episode and what memory lanes we shall walk down together. So exciting to think about the possibilities. Just makes you want to grab like a tennis ball or a basketball or a volleyball or a football or a golf ball or just like any ball, you know, a golf ball. Grabbing a golf ball is like a really great image. <laughs> well, I'm maybe so excited. In, I have in the to case grab of our golf ball. <laughs> In the case of the special returning guest, maybe just grabbing a fistful of, of golf balls. Wow. Balls. Anyway, um, something to look forward to. Until then. I always look forward to balls. I'm Jenny Owen Youngs. And when I'm not watching Buffy, I am usually writing and recording songs. You can learn more about me and those songs at JennyOwenYoungs.com. You can find all my music on streaming platforms. You can check out my new band, LAXs. Hell yeah. Uh, you can give me a shout on Twitter, at Jenny Owen Youngs. And you can listen to me speak at length about another petite blonde protagonist over on my other podcast, Veronica Mars Investigations. We just got to season four and I am pumped. I'm Kristen Russo uh, and Jenny Owen Youngs. You're actually a, a liar because you said that they could listen to all of your music on streaming platforms, but I disagree. You had two original songs in the last podcast that you made up and that are not anywhere for streaming purposes. Oh, you like, mean hey the girl. Smashola? Uh, ooh, 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 girl, I'll dispose of a body for you. Ooh, ooh, yeah. ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> Dump that body in the river for you. Yeah, dump the I... body. Dump, dump the body. <laughs> dump the body for my hottie. Wow. Ooh, 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 ooh. Dump that body in the river for you. Yeah, I've looked. I've Google searched every way I could think of. <laughs> I haven't found it streaming anywhere. Mm, so, no, sorry. Yeah. That one's still in development. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I'm Kristen Russo. Um, I do not make music too often, but I do work with the LGBTQ community. I'm sure that there are songs that I could sing about that. You can find out the work that I do uh, for and with LGBTQ communities at my website, kristinoline.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-I-N-N-O-E-L-I-N-E. Uh, also, you probably know by now, but I do a Patreon podcast with Joanna Robinson. It just keeps getting more enjoyable. And this month, the month of May, the lusty month of May, we are watching all Keanu Reeves. Oh, my Reeves. God. What? That's a lyric. Do you know the what that is? The lusty a month of May? It's a lyric. Do you know what it's a lyric from? No. The musical Camelot. <laughs> wow. Okay, carry on. I was in Camelot, so I know. Oh, I, I guess you would it. know. Yeah. I sang the lyric. So uh, anyhow, we're watching all Keanu Reeves movies um, that I haven't seen before. So you can learn all about that and me, kristinoline.com. That spelling of my name is how you find me on Twitter and on Instagram. I'm rewatching Lost right now. So if you want to see people fucking yell at me all day long about my opinions on John Locke, you can <laughs> fucking find that shit over there. And uh, who are we, Jenny? Uh, we are, of course, Buffering the Vampire Slayer. And we're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at BufferingCast. You can drop us an email at BufferingTheVampireSlayer at gmail.com. <laughs> 
moviephone.com. You can support our work on Patreon. You can also support us by rating and reviewing us. You can also just support us by like feeling love in your heart for us. You know, like we accept that as well. Oh, yeah. That's deep support energy. Energy is good. Yeah. Um, So any any details that you need should be findable on our website, bufferingthevampireslayer.com. That's where you find the Patreon. That's where you find our store. We have a new pin pack that is selling quite quickly. Oh, my God. Uh, So beautiful. Tabula Rasa pin pack. It's very cool. Designed by Kim Bogman. And yeah, I think that's about all we have for today. Well, I hope you have just a tiny little bit of energy left, Mm -hmm. Kristen, because until next time. uh, Uh, Do you even care? to try to find ways to find peace 
and art and love and connection in the midst of the chaos of life. So that's life writing. I am so excited to have comic and daily show correspondent Roy Wood Jr. Well, hello. That joke was birthed from my trip to the African-American Smithsonian in DC, which that was the first time I saw something where, all right, on this floor, it's nothing but good news. Mm. We've gone through slavery, we've gone through desegregation and emancipation proclamation and reconstruction, but on this floor, Beyonce, Michael Jordan, Issa Rae. Thank you for coming. <laughs> Come and join us on Life Writing for more stories like these and the tools writers need to make yourself the hero or heroine of the adventure of your life. Life Writing is available wherever you get your podcasts.